this morning. I uh, need to mention also that uh, we are taking two bags of candy and hot dogs uh, to be brought uh, for the carnival. Two bags of candy and hot dogs. I guess you already know that. Is it uh, per family? Is that what it is? Or two, three bags of candy per family. Thank you. And how many about hot dogs? Three, three hot dogs? Three bags of hot dogs for candy. All right. Bring, bring something. Amen. And uh, it's the only way, you know, uh, people drive by and they're going to see all this. And, you know, this is a bit of an experiment since our building is so high profile. Uh, three bags of candy, three hot, three packages of hot dogs. And if you'll do that, that'll help us. All right. Deuteronomy 7. We're going to go there. And I also want you to get 1 John chapter 5. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 7. And then put your uh, Bible marker there or your finger or something. And then I want you to go find 1 John chapter 5. And I want to minister. I, 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 I gave a little variation of this to our teenagers uh, Friday night. And I uh, want to do that also. Let me uh, also please just uh, listen to me for the haunted house. If you're going to go through it, uh, first of all, we're trying to get people saved. It's not Christian entertainment. And so we want to get those people through first. And we want to give them priority. Are you with me? And secondly, if you go through it, then you need to help them have the best experience possible. Don't be joking around in there and making fun and, you know, picking at your friends. And once you come into the room where they're ministered to, we had a problem last night if the Christians would take off and leave the visitors there and, and kind of bring some confusion. So respect what we're trying to do, and if you go through, then you need to be in the prayer room, you need to sit through it, and then make yourself available to minister. And that'll help us, uh, because we need to keep our priority on soul winning this morning. All right, Deuteronomy 7, and then 1 John chapter 5. One of the things that is so uh, common this time of the year, obviously, is the whole issue of the haunted house. People talk about them. Uh, uh, you know, uh, places that are occupied by spirits, homes that have been haunted, uh, people that claim that they have seen things or something that is unusual. And this goes the spectrum. Here in San Antonio, we have the ghost tracks, where, where um, according to the legend, uh, you know, a school bus of children was hit by a train on these uh, tracks out on the south side of San Antonio and uh, there's a neighborhood nearby and the names of the streets uh, are of the little children that were killed in the bus crash and you can go down there and uh, park your car and you park and your car is on an incline and even though it's on an incline what people do is they uh, park right before the tracks then they get baby powder they sprinkled it on the back. And I'm saying this to people who know exactly what I'm talking about because you've done it. They spray baking powder, uh, baking, uh, no, baby powder. Uh, I'm not baking soda, but baking, ba baby powder. They say, you're already getting scared, Pastor Ruby, you know. But you sprinkle baby powder on the back of the car and then you get in your car, you put it in neutral and then lo and behold, your car begins to go across the track even though you're on an incline. And then you go back there, and there are little, little children's fingerprints on the back of the car. And some say, if you listen real closely, you can hear the wheels on the bus go round and round. 
And occasionally, if you go from this church, some of the guys in the church will be hiding in the grass to scare you. <laughs> and so people laugh at that. I don't want to bum you out, but that's not true. That is a legend, okay? It is an optical illusion it, because of the way things are. I've never been there personally. But uh, uh, what I've read, uh, that uh, you, you, it looks like you're up going up, but actually you're going down. Is this an optic? See, I just blew it for so I just, I just ruined your day right there, you know. You say, what's next? Santa Claus isn't real either. And, uh, you know, and so you have that interesting study came out this week. 37% of people believe that haunted houses exist. Now, it was 42% about five years ago, but 37% of people believe haunted houses exist uh, and they go from the the mockery or the fun or the fact that uh, people do haunted houses to uh, real stories that make you scratch your head people that have had uh, real experiences I you know read a number of different things this past week in preparation for this sermon and that I've chose not to go into all of them but uh, I, I remember I read about one story that ended up becoming a best-selling book and then uh, cottage industry of movies uh, about, uh, but it centers around uh, an event that took place in Long Island back in the mid 1970s, where a 23 year old man, he was uh, uh, druggy uh, uh, on LSD and different things. And what he did one night is he prepared a family meal, he put drugs in that meal that sent his family into a deep sleep, and then at three o'clock in the morning, uh, he massacred his family, killed a family of five. This man is still in prison today. After this happened, that house went on sale. Nobody would buy it for 13 months. It was finally sold for $80,000, which was a bargain price there in Long Island. The family that moved into that house, lived in that house 28 days, and then left that house, never took their personal belongings, never went back for their furniture. They just left the house and said, we are never going back. Out of that uh, uh, experience, uh, the lawyer, the defense lawyer, the, the young man that killed his family, uh, they got together, a book was written, that book became a movie, exaggerations and uh, obfuscations and everything else uh, uh, began to uh, take place. Uh, but just recently, the, 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 the man who lived in that home and moved out uh, uh, died, and before he died, he said, uh, I, you know, there have been exaggerations and everything else, but I will not take back what happened to me in that house well, anyway, it's food for thought. And, uh, and so you start to ask the question then, as Christians and as those who believe the Bible, what does the Bible have to say about goats? What does the Bible have to say about hauntings? You know, when I started down this road in our Bible study Friday night, I could feel it on these kids. I had to back off a little bit, you know, because I don't want their parents calling me. And, the, you know, but this is an issue. Because the Bible does talk about stuff like this. And I want you to see this from the word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 7, beginning in verse 24. Amen. It says these words. And he will deliver their kings into your hand, and you will destroy their name from under heaven. No one shall be able to stand against you until you have destroyed them. Verse 25. You shall burn the carved images of their gods with fire. You shall not covet the silver or gold that is on them, nor take it for yourselves, lest you be snared by it. 
for it is an abomination to the Lord your God. Nor shall you bring an abomination into your house, lest you be doomed to destruction like it. You shall utterly detest it and utterly abhor it, for it is an accursed thing. First John chapter 5, 1 verse, verse 21, last verse of this epistle, the Apostle John writes, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Let's pray. Father, help us this morning by the grace of God. I ask that an anointing would be in this place that breaks the yoke. Father, I pray that the word of God shall illuminate our understanding. God, there are men and women here right now, oh God, that have touched the accursed thing. They have opened themselves up to abominations. And God, even now, God, they must be kept from idols. God, give us discernment. Give us the boldness to judge those things in our midst that are not right. We ask this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen. I want to talk to you this morning, first of all, about the spiritual reality. Now, let's get an understanding of this text that we've just read in the book of Deuteronomy. Now, Deuteronomy means the rehearsing of the law. It is an instruction manual for God's people as they were to move through the wilderness on into the promised land. And one thing is very clear. God was concerned about how these people were going to deal with the idolatry and false religion of the people that was all around them. He was very concerned that these people, if you've been in Sunday school, you know that God was trying to raise up a, a people that were separated to himself. And yet they were moving through a land that was steeped in idolatry and false religion. And so God was so concerned that when he gave the Ten Commandments to Moses, the first two, I am the Lord thy God, you shall have no other gods before me. Number two, you shall, uh, uh, you shall not make for yourself the carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me. These are not the words of an insecure deity. This is not God saying, I'm a jealous God, and you better not follow another God or you're going to hurt my feelings. These are not the words of someone who is insecure, beloved, but the issues go far deeper than that. Because when you talk about idolatry or false religion, they are more beloved than simply something that is vain or worthless. Oftentimes when we talk about stuff like this, we dismiss them and say, well, there's nothing to idols. There's nothing to false religion. Psalms 115, their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. Jeremiah says uh, a man will go and plant a tree in the ground. Years later, that tree will become mature, and he'll go and he'll get that tree, cut it down, uh, and then he'll take some of the wood off of that tree, build a fire, and cook some food. Uh, then with the rest of that wood, he'll get out his tools, uh, and he'll carve out a statue, uh, and then he'll bow down and worship it and call it a god. So how stupid is that? That with the same wood that you cook your food, uh, you also treat as a god. And so we know this morning that there's nothing to the idol, that there is nothing this morning to the statue. 
that there is nothing to false religion or false doctrine. But having said that, because people dabble in that, the Bible says they open the door to the demonic. I remember many years ago when uh, we were still way off on Zarzamora and Military Drive and, and that little building over there, we showed a movie called The Fakers. And this movie was an interesting movie because what it attempted to do was to debunk the occult. Basically to say that uh, any uh, uh, claim of the supernatural that is done by magicians and, uh, and uh, various psychics and others, uh, that there's nothing to them, that it is all sleight of hand, it is all trickery and cunning, uh, but there is no supernatural power to what these people are doing. Uh, and as I watched this movie, I sat there and said, hogwash, uh, because uh, uh, there is far more to, uh, to false doctrine and idolatry uh, than simply sleight of hand or cunning. And this was something that God was very concerned about. You think this morning that dabbling with witchcraft and magic is, ah, you know, it's just fun. You get yourself involved in magicians. You become consumed with this kind of trickery and supernatural magic. Ah, this just for fun. I want to tell you this morning, this is far more than kids' games. The threats are much worse. The Bible says it opens the door to the demonic. Listen to the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians. What am I saying then? That an idol is anything or what is offered to idols is anything? Rather, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. So here's this debate. People are saying, well, you know, what's the big deal about idolatry? If they're false gods, you know, then they're harmless. And Paul says, well, that idol, that statue is nothing, but that statue is a portal to a spiritual realm. And when you begin to move and traffic in idolatry, you are moving into a demonic realm. You are entering into fellowship with demons. That's a pretty powerful statement. That there is more to happening than just simply uh, little trinkets and little objects and they don't really mean anything. Uh, Paul says, you don't understand, uh, there is a demonic realm that is involved. Whether we call it idolatry or the practice of witchcraft or sorcery uh, and people begin to get involved, uh, what these things do is they open a door. They create an access point for a spiritual realm that opposes God, that is rooted in um, in rebellion, let me give you two Old Testament examples of what I'm talking about. The first one would be the story of the golden calf. Moses has gone up into the mountain to fellowship with God. After 40 days, the people have grown restless uh, and they've appealed to Aaron uh, to make us a God that we can worship. Aaron says, well, throw, give me your jewelry. They begin to take all the golden jewelry and stuff they had taken from Egypt. Uh, they throw them in a pot. Uh, and the Bible says that a golden calf uh, uh, is made. When this golden calf is made, uh, 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 the Bible says, Aaron says, uh, uh, listen, O Israel, this be your God that delivered you from Egypt. Uh, and very interesting took place. Uh, and that is that the behavior of the people began to change uh, when they begin to lay hold of that idol. Something happened to them. The Bible says they were up early the next morning. They began offering burnt offerings and peace offerings to the golden calf. Afterwards, they sat down to feast and drink at a wild party, followed by sexual immorality. Now think about that. They've started with idolatry. 
quickly as they began to move in that realm, uh, something began to change in their behavior. Something began to alter these people. It began to have an effect on them as they began to step into idolatry. It wasn't just, you know, what's a calf? It doesn't mean anything. There's nothing to it. It began to have an effect on the people's behavior. There's even a more graphic picture of this found in the book of Numbers, chapter 25. The background of this is the, of Israel as they are moving across the land of Moab. The king of Moab gets paranoid. And the Bible says that he hires a man by the name of Balaam to curse Israel. He pays him enough money, finally Balaam agrees to do it, and the Bible says that on three occasions, Balaam attempts to speak a curse over Israel. Every time he does that, the Holy Ghost gets involved and will not let him curse Israel, but rather to bless them. Thank God that God's involved, can you say amen? And he will not let there be any witchcraft or divination that would be able to prevail against the people of God. And so finally, um, uh, they cannot seem to, 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 doesn't seem to work. But Balaam has an idea. And that idea is he pulls the king aside and he says, listen, you know what? The only way that God will curse his people is if you can get his people to sin. Can I tell you, your biggest threat is not the curandera. Your biggest threat this morning is not the witch doctor. Your biggest threat is you and your sinful nature. And he says, listen, the only way curse will come is if you can get these people to sin. And they hatch a plan. And listen to the plan. You know what the plan was? The Bible says that the young women of the land began to invite the young Jewish men to church. Come on over to our church. Come on over and look at our, our religion. And, and, and check it out. Listen to what the Bible says. Numbers 25, it says, Then Israel remained in Acacia Grove, and the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. Now it tells us how they did it. They invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel was joined to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. Hey, let me just show you what we do. Let me just show you about how our religious practices, uh, and the Bible says uh, that as they begin to go and they begin to look at this and get involved in this, uh, Bible historians say that this was highly pornographic. That the, the idolatrous practices that these young men exposed themselves to uh, were highly pornographic, uh, and this led to uh, a horrible uh, sexual immorality and fornication uh, that came upon, and sure enough, the curse came that Balaam could not speak, uh, came because it was invited by sexual sin, uh, but that sexual sin was triggered by idolatry. That as they began to look at these idols and began to get involved, uh, well, they began to, there was something about that, that those statues and those idols that carried a spiritual impact that changed the dynamic and the atmosphere, uh, and these young men began to move right into sexual immorality. And ultimately to judgment. I want to talk to you secondly about the accursed thing this morning because what I am saying to you is that objects can carry spiritual power. That is what he is saying in our text, isn't he? 
He is saying, you shall burn in the, uh, the carved images of their gods with fire. You shall not covet the silver and gold that is on them, nor take it for yourselves, lest you be snared by it. Nor shall you bring an abomination into your house, lest you be doomed to destruction like it. God did not want his people to underestimate or dismiss the power and the attraction of these objects. A cursed thing, something that has been set apart for destruction. God was concerned that not just about the practice of idolatry, but the objects involved in idolatry. That these inanimate objects uh, carried with them a spiritual power and that spiritual power could bear, uh, uh, be brought to bear upon those uh, who had embraced it or invited it or brought it in to their home. The Bible this morning includes the testimony of people who are not rank idolaters uh, but simply permitted the accursed things uh, into their homes. Let me say that to you again. The Bible this morning talks about people that we could not call rank idolaters. We could not refer to them as pagans. We would not say, uh, oh yeah, they're just a bunch of uh, uh, pagans, uh, but these were people that were actually God-fearing people. These were people that uh, knew the word of God, that had an understanding of God and who he was from the Bible, and yet in the midst of that still uh, came across these objects and these things uh, and built a rationale for why they could bring them into their home uh, and you can see clearly the curse that was upon their lives. Let's talk about them. First of all, we could talk this morning about Jacob. Jacob is the grandson of Abraham. He is one of the patriarchs. He has risen up a family as a large family and the Bible says in Genesis 35, Jacob said to his household and all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves and change your garments. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands, uh, the earrings which are in their ears, uh, and Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree, which was by Shechem. There's no way that you could say that uh, uh, Jacob was just an idolater. Jacob had encounters with God. He had been to Bethel. He had seen Jacob's ladder, the angels ascending and descending. He had a revelation of God. He was a tither. God had blessed him and helped him. And yet, as they're living in this land, and his whole family spins out of control, and Jacob makes this appeal, put away the foreign gods. He understands that things have come into his home, inanimate objects, material objects, and they are now bearing onto the behavior of his children. In fact, the Bible says, one, uh, his daughter Dinah is a, is a fornicator. Not only that, he has two other sons, uh, and these two other sons uh, are, are violent and commit murder to, quote-unquote, defend the honor of their sister. And as Jacob is looking at this in his home, and he's trying to get things right with God, uh, he intuitively knows uh, that there are things in my house that have an effect on the behavior and, the, and, the, and what is happening in my home. Are you with me this morning? And so he makes this appeal. And lo and behold, uh, the kids begin to come uh, and they brought all this stuff that they've attached to themselves over the years. Now that he says that they're running around bowing, them, bowing down to them, you're not going to walk into Simeon's room and there's going to be an altar and candles and a, a chicken head or anything like that. 
It just simply means that they were living in a world where everybody was doing it. And everybody had it, and we didn't want to offend little Simeon and tell him, no, you're not allowed to have that. No, Dinah, you're not going to have that. Or, no, Dinah, you're not going to wear that. We go to Gideon. The Bible says it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it. Gideon is a Jew. His father is a Jew. They are under the oppressive hand of the Midianites. Again, they're, they're, they're God-fearing people. These are not like just devils. But yet, as God begins to call Gideon to cast off this oppression, before he ever goes and he fights the Midianites, he says, you need to tear down the altar in your dad's backyard. And you think, what on earth is an altar to Baal doing in my dad's backyard? Was he, was he a Baal worshiper? Would he have said, no, I don't believe in God. I believe in Baal. He would have never, he would have never said that. But simply over time, who knows if he wanted to hedge his bets, wanted to appear nice to the Midianites. But he's got this idol in his own house, this accursed thing in his own house. And lo and behold, when we're introduced to this family, they're under bondage. They're oppressed, and they're fearful. The Bible says that Gideon is having to winnow his wheat uh, uh, out of sight of the Midianites. He's scared. He's down on himself. Uh, he refers to his father's house as least, uh, and he the least of his father's house. Uh, and I wonder this morning uh, if uh, there are people uh, that wrestle with terrible insecurity and fear and intimidation, uh, who can't sleep at night, have nightmares, uh, and everything else uh, because of the things that are in their house. Number three, we read the story, and this is probably the best example in the Bible, is the story of Achan. Joshua 7, 1, the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things, for Achan took the accursed things, and the anger of the Lord was aroused against him. It's the story of Achan as they move into Jericho, and God has said, that, listen, the walls are going to come down, and you're going to defeat this city, but I want you to leave this stuff alone. Don't touch these things. And Achan sees them. He's not an idolater. This is what I'm trying to get across to some of you. He's not an idolater. He doesn't take this stuff to worship it. He takes it because of financial value. He's intrigued by it. It's fascinating. Babylonian garments, uh, 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 silver and gold. Uh, and he takes this accursed stuff and he hides it in his tent. Not to build an altar, not to light a candle to it or bow down to it, uh, but simply because of uh, uh, financial reasons, uh, 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 intrigue, fascination, mystery, who knows? But God said, it didn't matter whether you bow down and worship it. It has, it's been accursed. It has been set apart for destruction, and I don't want you to touch it. And the Bible says that he does touch it, and when he does that, not only does he invite judgment upon himself, but the Bible says he brings judgment upon his own family. Again, none of these people would we have referred to as idolaters. We're talking about people who do not, do not understand that objects carry spiritual power. And they tamper with these things. 
and they do not understand the impact. Now, some of you here, I know you're, 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 you're having a hard time with what I'm saying, but the world of the occult believes this, don't they? Rural religions all the time believe in spiritual power and inanimate objects. That's why people here, you have good luck charms, don't you? You've got a rabbit's foot, you've got a little good luck charm uh, that you put on your body. Uh, uh, you, maybe you've got a little bean and a toothpick uh, uh, and a piece of dental floss hidden somewhere uh, in your house, uh, uh, you know, so you'll never have cavities or something like that. We believe that, don't we? This world believes all over the place that there's, a, there's all kinds of uh, uh, things that can be blessed. It's embarrassing that the charismatic Christian world uh, has uh, little blessed uh, little objects because uh, Benny Hinn, uh, you know, uh, put hairspray on this and, uh, and, uh, you know, and this is really going to mean something to me. They have all kinds of little objects and little uh, prayer cloths and, and things that have this spiritual power. And, uh, you know, this televangelist sent you uh, uh, his hands, you know, handwriting. Put those hands on your head and or have a blessed dollar bill. Keep it in your wallet and you'll never be broke. Blessed jewelry. Angels everywhere. Talismans, candles, religious statues. You know, we're closer to this kind of thing than we realize here in America and in the West. I was in Spain many years ago, and I went into a little courtyard. My wife was with me. Joe Moreno was there and his wife. And, and uh, we walked into this courtyard, and this little uh, uh, viejita, this little old lady, walks up to me in this courtyard, and she has a flower, and she handed me the flower. I grabbed the flower, being polite, and she immediately grabbed my hand and said, I see, mira, which means look. And then she opened my hand and she started to read my palm. I took my hand away uh, and said, Brujeria, Brujeria. I do know how to say witchcraft in Spanish. And then I said, Quitate, which means get out of here. The little old lady goes running off, you know. You have to be careful. You think, oh, Pastor Ruby, why? Man, yeah, what are you doing? This is not an issue here. So I know a man who was traveling in Africa, a preacher, wanted to buy his daughter a ring, 10 years old, buys her a ring, brings it home, gives it to her. That night, her daughter begins to have terrible nightmares, tormented in her mind, and, and they're trying to calm her down, they, you know, and it's okay, pray over her. She immediately, as soon as she falls asleep, again, assaulted. Uh, and finally, after a period of going back and forth, that praying, uh, as, as what's going on here, he immediately is drawn to that ring that he had given his daughter from Africa that he'd picked up at a flea market, took that ring off, uh, threw it away. She went right back to sleep, never had another problem. So here's a family a number of years ago, true story. This family... Uh, uh, as a little baby, that little baby, they received some gifts from overseas from a family member, and it is a, uh, 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 a stuffed animal. Baby immediately takes fever, all sorts of problems in the middle of the night. They say, this is wrong. What's going on? They're Christian people. They're praying. They're getting a hold of God. And as they're doing this over a period of a couple hours there, they begin to just, you know, you know looking at this stuffed animal. It's a stuffed animal, man. Just a regular old stuffed animal. And, and they can't figure out what it is. And so the father, he has enough of this. He opens up the animal, and inside of it is a talisman. That some well-meaning relative wanting to put a, a good luck on their baby. Put it inside of the stuffed animal. Put it in that crib. And remove it immediately, this child 
is fine. I'm telling this to Barry Parker. Yesterday we came for the wedding and telling Barry what I'm going to preach on. Told me when he was a nurse, he was working in Austin, Texas, and, and uh, 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 there was a sweet lady that uh, made little, little, uh, I forgot what kind of animal, little cute little bears or something like that. And he said she was the nicest lady in the whole world and would go to the hospital and give them out. And she grew fond of Barry. And so she gave Barry a stuffed animal to take to home. And so he's got three small children at the time. He takes this home and he says, my house gets smitten with sickness. The guys are sick, Mary Lou's sick, everybody's sick. And, and I'm scratching my head. And immediately in prayer, I'm drawn to this object. He said, I opened it up, um, and inside of it was all kinds of feminist materials, like this, all kinds of feminist statements and quotes and articles, and he said, it was the weirdest thing in the whole world, and this nice lady goes to the hospital and just gives these things out to everybody. He says, I got rid of it, because I burned it, and everybody was fine. I'm just giving you some anecdotal evidence. One of the brothers in our church, when he was a young convert, because I've mentioned this to a couple of people over the last couple of days, told me his story. He said that he had gone to spend the night at his mother's house. He's sleeping in a room. He's now newly saved, uh, and he begins to be assaulted very intently while he's asleep. It says it was as if somebody had jumped on his chest and began to choke him. He's fighting this. He's uh, trying to do it. He says he wanted to cry out, but he said it was almost like they put one hand on my mouth, one on my chest, and I'm being choked to death. Finally, he says, Jesus, uh, and he, he feels this relief. He jumps out of bed, he begins to pray, uh, but he, he goes back to bed and immediately feels seized upon again. He doesn't know what to do, so he calls, uh, I think, two or three o'clock in the morning, calls uh, uh, one of the brothers in the church who's following up on him, Corey Garza, and says, Corey, what's going on? What's happening? And Corey has enough to sense to say, what's in that room? Something's in that room. Turns on the light, he goes, I began to look around, uh, trying to, I, I, you know, what, what, what could it be? He looks behind the bed, and there behind the bedpost, or the, uh, the, uh, the back of the bed, uh, is a mold for making idols. They pour plastic uh, uh, inside there, and it makes uh, uh, these uh, Catholic idols, which is what idols are, statues are, Catholic statues are, they're idols. It's all wrapped up. He knows immediately, this is it, takes it, throws it out, uh, and sleeps like a baby. He doesn't know a lot, doesn't have a lot of understanding at all at that time, but knows that. We had some other people in, Sunday, in, in, in teenage Bible study, as I began to share some of this, kids that lifted their hand and so began to share experiences of things brought into their home, gifts brought into their home. Began to cause all kinds of spiritual turmoil until they say, you know what, we don't need this. Very interesting Bible study. Teenage Bible study is interesting. We have the recent shootings and things that took place in these schools, and it was very interesting talking to these kids. Every one of them could say, oh, yeah, there's a profile of kids who would do this kind of thing. You don't think this morning how they dress, dressing all black, their fascination with certain kinds of music, posters, the video games that they play, the websites that they visit, Inanimate objects, digital, just a bunch of numbers, series of numbers. That's all it is. These kids carry a spirit. You don't believe me? You do your own profile, uh, uh, and you'll find that there's a consistency of the behavior of these kinds of kids. It's not just that they were picked on. It's talking about that you begin to dabble in certain things, and those things 
carry with them a spirit, and that spirit creates an atmosphere where behavior can be affected. And that's no mystery to them. You're going to let them have these super aggressive uh, video games where they kill a hundred people uh, and then click off, good night, mom, good night, son. Where you're going to allow them to just have music that just preaches uh, uh, hypersexuality and preaches rebellion uh, and they lay hold that something gets on them. God says, listen, you cannot allow this stuff. Don't, don't treat this. Somehow we say, oh, this was, man, this was thousands of years ago. What does it have to do with today? And yet today, more and more people are hooked on drugs, can't even get through the day without popping a pill. Your kid has a little bit of attention problem. They want to drug them. And you know, somehow today, we're better off or we're more informed than they were back then. Okay, I want to talk finally, how then shall we live? Because we're going to need some balance here this morning. You know, you preach on this stuff and people take it too far. John Wesley said that man is like a drunk on a donkey. He's either leaning all the way this way or he's leaning all the way that way. You've got demons on every doorknob. Uh, you know, there are people like, you know, they're going to go home, you know, and they're going to throw out the Sunday paper uh, and uh, they're going to throw out, you know, throw out uh, uh, snuggles instead of pampers uh, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, Amway started this rumor about Procter and Gamble. You know, you shouldn't buy Procter and Gamble products. And, and you know, people get this stuff carried too far. And, and you know, let, let's, let's throw a bone this morning to common sense that uh, yeah, there are not demons in every door and not. So, you know, I can't sleep at night. Well, perhaps you should stop going to Starbucks at 11 o'clock at night, you know. <laughs> ah, the spirit. Starbucks has a spirit. No. That's called caffeine, all right? <laughs> Not everything is the devil. The old story, the church was having a testimony service. They found the devil sitting on the front porch of the church crying, and they said, why are you crying? He goes, because those people are blaming me for stuff I had nothing to do with. <laughs> Your child is misbehaving? You need to spank them, not lay hands on them. You know, your little two-year-old pastor, can you pray for him? He's really acting up. No, spank him. <laughs> All right, that's not the devil. That's just his old rebellious nature. You want to mess a kid up is pray for them when they need a spanking. Make them grow up thinking they're demon-possessed. No, spank them. All right, so I'm not, you know, I, I'm preaching this not to grow imbalanced. But this is a call to discernment, isn't it? And Christians are not out of the woods. John writes the very last words of his first letter, little children, keep yourselves from idols. This is not just an Old Testament issue. John knew New Testament believers would have to confront idolatry themselves. Be careful what you let pass into your house. Be careful this morning who you let lay hands on you. You know that? You got to be careful. Somebody comes along. I just feel like I want to pray for you. Well, I don't know you. You got your little cute little baby out at H-E-B and somebody wants to come and bless him. I wouldn't do that if I were you. Exercise some discernment. Maybe you love antiquing. 
Well, you know, well, that came from Aleister Crowley's house, you know. And, oh, wow, that's cool, you know. I'm going to take that, you know. And, you know, you, you, know you, just, you might be a little cautious. Pay a little attention to this stuff because the people that he's worrying about weren't going to be worshiping idols. They were just going to bring them in their home. Wow, that's so cute. Oh, that's so cute, you know. Well, look at that silver and gold, bro. That's, I'll put that on eBay. Just type in accursed things, you know. There it is, you know. Who wants to bid on this? And, uh, and you know, you might, you might exercise a little discernment. Are you with me, church? Finally, there's a call to judgment. There are times where you're just going to have to say, I don't want this, or I need this out of this house. Article, last week's paper, a youth group at First Assembly of God held a burning Wednesday night by burning anything they wanted to get out of their lives which they feel is hindering their relationship with God. Some of the items burned included CDs, DVDs, magazines, books, anything else they could think of. But unlike the negative connotations burnings are generally associated with, this burning was intended to be a positive event for everyone involved. Mary Johnson, leader of the college and career group at the church, summed up what the burning is about, getting rid of junk in their lives that would hinder their relationship with the Lord. Acts 19 says many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. Sometimes there's a judgment. Well, you say, I don't need this. I don't, I, you know, I don't need this. I remember, and I know I'm moving a little bit long today, but bear with me. I remember, I was telling the teenagers, when I was first saved, I had, uh, had uh, gone to the dentist and had some work done and they had given me some pills. And, you know, I, I wasn't always a Christian, you know, and so I had been involved with drugs and things before I was saved. And I remember that. It was a day off work, and these pills were there, and the Holy Spirit of God dealing with me, don't take them. Don't do this. I'm paying but there was something that was so clear that just said, you don't want to go down this road. I remember going, dumping them, toilet, flushing it. And I was communicating to teenagers that sometimes there are things, you say, you know what, I got to get rid of this. You know, Christians love to tell everybody what they should get rid of. I'm talking about people who are sensitive enough to God to say, you know what, I got to get rid of this. This is going to take me down. This may be a material object, but there's something associated with it that I know I don't like what I become when I do this. I need to get rid of it. The Bible says these people said, you know what, man, all this occult, material, magic books, black magic, all this stuff that I've been acquiring, and they came and they said, look, I want to be free. This stuff carries something. This stuff, there's a spirit to this. These are, this is a New Testament church, folks. So I want to be free. Let's bow our heads. While our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, and Christians are praying, I want to speak to our visitors this morning. I don't know if you captured everything that I said today, but don't be fooled in modern America, still steeped in superstition, 
and idolatry and the consequences are everywhere what it does to people the good news is that Jesus Christ God's son came to earth lived a perfect life and died in our place sinners that's what we are all of us and Jesus died for us through him we could have forgiveness of sins his blood has the power to change our life to cleanse us the Bible says it has the power to purge our conscience maybe you've come into this building today and you don't know God you might know religion you know you know what it is to go to church or listen to Christian music you know you know a few Christian friends but friend your conscience needs to be purged you need an encounter with the living God you need to be able to see Jesus as the one that died for you personally and that your sin will put him on that cross he'll forgive you this morning and he can change your life and I wonder while our heads are bowed you say Pastor Ruby I'm not right with God this morning I need forgiveness of sin would you pray for me if that's you I'd like you to do something I'd like you just to lift up your hand and by lifting your hand you're saying Pastor pray for me I'm not right with God today I need forgiveness of sin lift up your hand all around this building put it up high where I could see it pray for me Pastor I'm not right with God would you lift up your hand? I'm going to hold this just for a moment. I want to give you an opportunity to be saved. If you're a backslider, would you lift up your hand? Pastor, I'm not right with God this morning. I need Jesus Christ to come into my life. Pray for me. I'm not saved. I'm a backslider. Would you respond? Anybody at all before we move on? I want to give you an opportunity to be saved. Have your sins forgiven. All right. While our heads are bowed then, can't help but listen to this and ask yourself some hard questions little children keep yourselves from idols that is a new testament message because these things are a portal to a spiritual realm and you know what they can begin to have an impact on our lives on our home on our families god said listen don't don't touch this stuff don't tamper with this you may say, oh, it's nothing to me. It doesn't mean an idol to me. But these things have been set apart for destruction. God says, I do not want you to have them. And at this point in this service, Christians need to have a little self-examination. They need to say, hey, what, what, what am I allowing? Maybe what I need to, do I need to judge? It was amazing as I gave this altar call Friday night to teenagers, how many of them responded and said, you know what? It's not about somebody saying, get rid of this, get rid of that. You shouldn't have this as much as it is. Somebody saying, Lord, I want to follow you. I don't want there to be any hindrance. I want there to be anything. And it's so amazing that when people begin to pray, they know exactly what they need to do. They need the willingness to judge it. Okay, you know what? No, I've got to make some decisions if I'm going to serve God. We're going to stand right now. I'm going to open these altars this morning.